0: So often I hear about times when we cry out to God and seemingly hear nothing back. How often does God speak, but we disqualify his message because of the messenger? And how often do we participate in the silencing of God's message? Today we'll go over the various ways that God's voice may be being missed out on in this episode called The lost message. Now, I'm not a camper or an outdoorsman of any sort, but I gotta admit that I have an innate desire to be able to survive and even thrive living outdoors in like the woods or the desert or something like that. Sometimes I even watch survival shows. And it's fascinating to see what people use to survive and also what they use to help them continue on in their journey, especially in adverse or unfavorable situations where others would die. I find myself so impressed with how they do everything from knowing how to find water, build fires, weapons, etc., traps. Also, and what they've learned to look out for, and what they've learned to bring along with them. And kings, just like it's important for them to learn how to make the most of their resources, so it should be with us. In life, especially during COVID days, a lot of us have found ourselves in a place where God's word isn't as available in the same way that we're used to receiving it. It's not served up to us on a platter in comfy seating amongst friends during our weekly gathering. But should we then starve? Along this journey, without the proper preparation and awareness, we may find ourselves in a personal drought, but not always because there's no water, but sometimes because we don't recognize its presence in our environment. And just like God's sheep know his voice, in this world, Full of its distractions, we too must know what to listen out for. We must learn how to extract what it is that we need for not just our survival, but our thrival in the unfavorable climate that we find ourselves in in these times. Many of us will survive, but at what cost? Sometimes it's not until we make the changes to reach the place of thriving that we begin to realize all that was forfeited from our lacking to change sooner. And I believe that the resources that we need to survive and even thrive can be found along the way of the journey. Just like the survivalists, we must recognize our resources and see them as precious and be efficient with them. I remember in the beginning of my walk with Christ that my prayer life was essentially like a one-sided conversation. You know, I would just talk to God and I'd ask him questions. And if I didn't get an answer or a sense of an answer before Amen, I felt like he didn't speak. I confined God's answer to the time limit of my prayer. And by limiting the methods in which he could respond to me, it also limited not just what he would give to me, but also it raised questions of was he even really listening? It took a while for me to consider that God could speak to me outside of those parameters of prayer, even through his word and even through methods and things outside of his word. Now that sounds a little iffy, but Jesus did it all the time. He spoke to people, not in scripture necessarily, but he spoke to the common people in parables in things that were not quite scriptural as we know it in order to relay the message of God to the people. And even though we kind of have a somewhat of an idea of that, we have a sense of that, at least for me, it wasn't it wasn't something that I was ready to receive. I wanted a cookie cutter process for me to receive from God in a way that I trusted because of where I was in my walk. Now, even though we know that God would even use a donkey to speak his message. Sometimes. It takes, or at least it took for me a little more growth before I could walk in the application of that. And even though it took me a little while to really receive the fact that God can speak through not just whatever, but whomever he wants, there was still somewhat of a human block, something inside of me that I had to get over because I know at least for me as a human, when someone would critique me or when someone would share a message with me, my instant mental response would be to look at them in their situation. It's kind of like if someone uh, told you that someone who was musty told you that you had bad breath. You might not receive that truth because you're already ready to tell him about his fault. And that's a very light example, but I think you kind of get the gist. You know, as humans, we tend to naturally examine the critiquer, even at the cost of potentially being edified by the critique. And this can often result in a lost message. And again, I know that I can be like that. And I don't even have to really focus on it. At least for me, it's on autopilot. When someone is telling me about myself, I have to consciously stop myself, step back, and say, Rashad, but do they have a point? And if they do have a point, and my true goal is growth and to get right instead of just seem right, I would then have to sift through the distractions so that I could receive the message. Now, if someone's being just outright disrespectful, I mean, we address that as well. But often we disqualify the message because it doesn't feel good, or we aren't convinced that the messenger knows enough about what we are specifically going through, or even because the messenger has quote, hangups themselves. And sure, it makes sense to be more receptive to someone who doesn't have noticeable hangups or someone who's gone directly through what you're going through. But please consider that God may want to use a specific person that he hasn't already cleared with you. And that was a stumbling block for me. And it was also a place where I realized that I need to be more humble. I need to also realize that taking the wisdom from a person doesn't mean that you're condoning the ways of that person. And if they're saying something and inside of what they're saying to you is helpful, that doesn't mean that 100% of what they're talking about needs to be put in that same boat. So while I listened, I also had to learn to eat the meat and throw away the bone. And sometimes we lose messages Because of a lack of relatability to the messenger. I know some people who have gone through very traumatic experiences. And some people who have uniquely difficult struggles. And I see the enemy use that to isolate them even the more. And yes, even though it would be perfect for or seemingly perfect for somebody to. Talk to who shares your direct experience. Sometimes that may not be what God is calling in order. And sometimes that stops bridges from being built. So what you may be going through may be on a scale of one to ten. It may be a nine. Even though I don't know exactly what it feels like to be in your shoes. I know what a nine feels like. I know what it feels like to feel isolated, to feel like you're getting depressed or that there's no way out, so on and so forth. And I've seen God use that to start to build that bridge one to another, to start to form and make that connection. Is it good to have someone there who shares your direct experience? Yes. But having that doesn't qualify or disqualify from being who God is called to speak. Only God qualifies. And yes, once again, we can also lose a lot of messages, maybe even for the most part, from a lack of meditation or revisiting God's scriptures or his teachings, etc. And with that said, I'd like to do an accountability check, just out of love, just to make sure that we're allowing God to further unpack Anything that he's been sharing with us, whether it's from our previous episodes or whether it's from just life in general. And I know I'm sort of beating a dead horse on that one. So just wanted to touch that real quick and then just kind of move on. Now, so far, what we've discussed are lost messages coming from the outside to us uh, that we are the receptors, the receivers for. Now I want to kind of transition just a little bit and talk about the messages that we lose ourselves that are designed for other people as well. Now, this, this is something that I've been guilty of myself and something I constantly have to work at, but it's knowing that messages, um, can also be lost simply by how we choose to deliver it. We can have the right word or the right saying or the right, whatever, But if we fail to deliver it correctly, it could compromise the reception of the message. It can compromise how that message is being received. Delivering the message correctly demonstrates the combination of and the importance of both knowledge and wisdom. And because you can compromise the impact of your knowledge by not having the wisdom of when, where, and how to present that knowledge, It's always good to make sure that we're delivering things correctly. And there was an older man who gave a great example of this. He asked the younger man, he said to the younger man, what is your favorite food? And the younger man, not really knowing where he was going with it, was kind of reluctant to say, but eventually he just said his favorite food. And they started talking about it and describing it, how it would smell and the different types of things they liked with with that type of plate and meal. And once everybody kind of got into it, the old man said, OK, well, now let's say I take that food and I st- instead of putting it on a plate, I pick up the lid of a garbage can, flip it over, and then I put that same food down on that garbage can lid and then I hand it to you. He said, it's not so appetizing now, is it? And he mentioned that his point was that it's in the presentation, not just in what you were receiving, but the presentation of it had the overall greater impact of the experience. In other words, you can be providing me just what I need and or want, and yet I, as a human, may pass on it simply by the nature of its presentation. Presentation is important. The one who gave that example, that old man, is Bill Cosby. And at the time of this recording, Bill Cosby has, let's say, fallen from grace in a lot of America's consciousness. Now, I bring up Bill Cosby's example for a few reasons. One, because by itself, it's a good and helpful analogy. Two, because this harkens back to our ability to eat the meat, which is the message, and to throw away the bone how we feel about the messenger. Now I shared this with you, this quote that he says, and I don't know if it would have been received the same way if we would have known who said it at the beginning. So in bringing him up, at first I didn't mention his name. Instead, I described him as just a man or an old man. In order to, not potentially taint your lens on the powerful message of his that I was about to share because of how people may feel about him. And then I shared his message, allowing it to now have a better chance of being received in a way that's unobstructed by our potential thoughts and/ or feelings of Bill Cosby. It may sound like much, but if but if I were to just begin that analogy saying... Bill Cosby and not a man, this well could have been another lost message. Heck, even after presenting it the way that I have, some may still refuse the meat of the message after discovering the identity of its messenger. But with doing that, who starves? And we know that life isn't black and white for the most part. And that's why I think that God invented wisdom to help us to navigate through the grays. Another and more frequent example of lost messages are the messages that others lose out on because of what we ourselves don't say to them. A lot of times we as the messenger sabotage the message. And this could be for a bunch of reasons. You know, sometimes because we don't feel like getting into, quote, that conversation even though the Holy Spirit may be guiding us to do so. Other times it may be from a lack of comfort or confidence in ourselves or our ability to, quote, properly share the message, even though in that moment God may be calling us to be a voice and not necessarily an expert. And then there's having to overcome the uncomfortable idea of sharing something with somebody that can make them better, even though we may have some very glaring areas where we can improve ourselves. Now, true, they may take this as an opportunity to share to you about your faults, but all have fallen short, and we must be at peace with doing what God is saying and to allow him to pick us back up. Because if we're waiting to be totally perfect before sharing a message, then we must all be quiet. Scripture says that if any man says he's without sin, then he's a lie and the truth is not in him. Very harsh words, it seems, but none can be more true. There's only one perfect messenger, and I think that we can both agree that that's neither me or you. Now, another reason, another way that messages can be lost. This one is my favorite. This one is procrastination. Procrastination for me is a big one. It's the, yeah, I'll do it, God. I'll just get to it later. The problem with that is that obedience is a mixture of action or inaction and timing. Not just doing what God wants, but doing it when and how he wants you to do it. Doing his will, his way. Procrastination can be an attempt to do his will, our way. And it doesn't take long to realize that this isn't, quote, the way. And as a side note, to be transparent, my little, what, six-month hiatus in doing episodes wasn't just filled to the brim with, Tasks of starting a new business. God had messages for me to share. Yet I chose to yield to my slight fatigue instead of sacrifice to serve my mighty God. And I use procrastination like a drug to help. To help numb the feelings of my disobedience. It kind of reminds me of those sad, sad cases when people get injured and then they go to the doctor And the medication that they're prescribed, they now become addicted to. This is what procrastination has been for me. And this is also why I can't trust myself to be my own doctor. Feeling a little extra fatigued? How about I prescribe some procrastination? Not feeling like doing what God is telling you and leading you to do? How about I give you an increased dose of procrastination? Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Rashad has been guilty of malpractice for quite some time. And I probably shouldn't lean to his understanding. Because even though he's a nice guy, that drug of procrastination that he prescribes is being pushed by the big drug companies, which in this case is the devil. When I procrastinate, I give myself a pass, which positions me to fail. Procrastination, it both takes time and it takes time. And the devil knows something about the value of time that we too may know, but still seem to undervalue. Our time is our life. Our life is our chance. Our chance for God's best to us and through us. And our decisions are our tools to succeed. And though there's no time like the present, there's also no present like time. And I myself must learn to treat this gift with the honor that it is to actually have it. And without making this a message about procrastination and time management, suffice it to say that this has been an ongoing battle for me. Not good ground. And you can even see some indications of that in the very first trailer of this entire podcast so if you see me slipping on my podcast output pull me aside and let me know even message me now don't fuss me out in the middle of walmart but i permit and expect you to hold me accountable just as we should do for each other and other things that we go through but that's definitely another message This leads me to some of the final points that I'll cover about the ways that we as messengers can sabotage or lose the message. And this is not wanting to make the other person mad. I mean, the Bible does say, show yourself friendly. However, to do this, it's important to consider what a friend is. A friend isn't just someone who's going to hang out with you. Friendship is a commitment and sometimes even a calling. Friendship is truly wanting the best for the other person. Friendship is almost kamikazean in nature. I don't know if you uh, are familiar with uh, the kamikaze fighters or Japanese pilots and stuff. What they would do is they would not just risk but give their own lives in the greater effort of their cause knowingly, beforehand. A true friend is has to be willing to do that for the friendship. A true friend is willing to say or do something that the other person may not like because that's what the person needs to hear. And even though that may, quote, ruin the friendship, a true friend is willing to take that risk. So when the scriptures say to show ourselves friendly, I think we really need to consider what that means. I think that indicates that there are certain risks that we must be willing to take. Now, this all goes hand in hand with hearing God and applying his wisdom. I think that sometimes I think of the story of David and Bathsheba. You know, David, you know, um, He goes up to the top of his to the to the rooftop. He sees Bathsheba bathing, gets Bathsheba over, makes love with her, finds out that she's pregnant. She has a husband. Who's out at war. So what ends up happening is David calls that husband, Uriah. His name is Uriah, calls him over and tries to put Uriah in a situation to where he could go back to his wife. And spend time with her, presumably sexually, to kind of cover up for this whole baby thing. But Uriah is a, a unique individual. He can't bring himself to do it because he says, how can I go with my wife, go be with my wife when my comrades are out fighting the battle, out at war? OK, so now David takes it to another level. What David does is he has. Uriah put to the front line of the most dangerous spot of the battle battlefield and then has other tree, other troops retreat. So to make sure that he's killed. And that's exactly what ends up happening. So now later on, uh, it says the Lord sent Nathan. Nathan was a friend of, of David. You know, he, he had a somewhat of a relation, He had a relationship with David. And so he's giving David some sort of a kind of like a metaphorical or parable. uh, Basically saying what David had did, just reframing it, representing it to him. And David doesn't get it at first. So he's mad. He's like, oh, man, that person should be punished. This, that and the other. And Nathan says that person is you. Now, to be honest, Nathan could have easily been killed for something like that David has already shown his ability to 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 do to do some stuff especially over this topic he could have hit Nathan with some off with your head stuff but it was Nathan's courage to be a friend guided by God that led him to do what needed to be done there were so many I'm sure there was a temptation for Nathan to lose that message Do I really want to tell David that? Do I really want to tell the king that? To call the king out on his stuff? So making sure that we explain our messages and making sure that messages aren't lost within us can be vitally, vitally important. And even Jesus himself was willing to risk favor in order to truly show himself friendly because we know that Jesus, he could please and wow crowds in the thousands. He was also willing and to have those crowds leave him disappointed with helpful sayings and things that he was saying. Jesus in some po- ways was a, a party pooper at times. Somewhere within ourselves, we must make peace with a commitment to not lose or compromise the message in spite of our natural desire to please people. And honestly, me starting this podcast wasn't a way for me to not compromise and not lose messages. You know, for me, my whys were to not miss opportunities to minister, to mentor, or even just provide a different perspective for men and young men. You know, from as far back as I can remember and growing up without a male figure in the house, Whenever I would get a chance, I recall observing how men operated in various situations, trying to find a template, a direction for how to approach life. Heck, even to this day, I recognize the blind spots that I have as a man, a husband, etc. Due to the lack of tangible examples, this podcast will serve as another point of contact in our journey as men another why another big reason and this is one of the hugest is my kids my two sons you know i met a guy who who I sparked an interesting conversation with and he he really brought out a good thought in me he was um he was just talking to me and just almost in passing mentioned that his dad died when he was 7 and for some reason i couldn't get past that after we spoke i thought wow I wonder how much wisdom was lost by his dad's early passing. How many life lessons? Because as a parent, I'd imagine there are lessons that you would tell your 14-year-old that you wouldn't tell your 8-year-old, or things that you would share with your 22-year-old that you might not share with your 12-year-old. This podcast strives to provide those life lessons. Not to say that one can be completely prepared for every situation in life, but I see it kind of like teaching my son how to read. My oldest is three and he he knows the alphabet. So we're teaching him words, you know, cat, dog. We're working on horse. He likes horses. We don't teach him just to identify words, but also how to sound them out. -ah 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 It's et cetera. Reason being is because I know that I can't or won't always be there to teach him every word that he'll ever encounter, just like I can't completely prepare him for every situation in life that he will encounter. But I can give him the tools to begin to, quote, sound it out. -ah -ah -ah. This podcast aims to help serve in that purpose. Also, in the event of my passing, I think this is a neat way for my kids and and their kids and so on and so forth to always have access to my voice. And as a side note, please record your loved ones. You know, with a lot of my friends, I tend to, to kind of harp on, you know, making sure that we take pictures and videos of not just ourselves, but also our families and and record them. You know, I get on my mom's nerves. Sometimes I'll record her. You know, I'll ask her some interview questions and I'll record her just so they can just so the future my kids and my grandchildren and so on and so forth can get a better idea of who she is. I mean, because the way that I see it is like I can tell them about their grandmother, their great grandmother, et cetera, But it's a whole nother thing for me to press play or for someone to press play and get to see and experience and learn life lessons um, visually as well as audibly. I think that cameras and videos are some of the most underutilized or undervalued portions or parts or features to our cell phones, our smartphones. And so as a side note, I just want to encourage you to make sure that you get to do that when you get a chance. OK, this is my last, 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 last point, I think. We also lose messages to our own opinion. We are ambassadors and when asked a question, that's our opportunity to represent and insert the kingdom and not our own understanding, whether we agree with it or not. And that takes submission. And Kings, what I'm about to say is not about me getting more spins or getting you to listen to this podcast again and again for better ratings. I really don't care much about that kind of stuff. All that to say that if you've heard something here that can be of some help, please review it, meditate on it, pray on it, search it out in the scriptures, because the enemy is in his way trying to distract in order to kill, steal, and destroy the impact of what God, our king, wants to do in you and others through this. God wants us to stay willing. And even though it's kind of like a good friend of mine would put it, that when iron sharpens iron, sparks will fly, I pray that we're willing to be God's messengers, come what may. Because the enemy's goal is to see how quickly he can make this message a lost message. kings i want to thank you guys for hanging in there with me this one felt a little scattered but we made it through but seriously my prayer is that whatever you gain from this that you not only protect but that you also nurture and i look forward to seeing you again right here on the counselor of kings podcast